Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in the next to last chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for caring about about us. You are the one that we live for. You're the one that we've, that, that before we are at, I'm not even able to, to say that I was worthy of anything. That you loved me when I didn't know you. You loved me when I turned my back on you. You loved me when I continued to sin against you. And yet you still loved me and didn't give up on me. So Lord, I'm grateful for that. I I thank you that you didn't give up on me, that you still love me when I don't know how to love you correctly, when I don't know how to love my neighbors, when I don't know how to do and follow your will. You still love me. You still walk beside me. You hold me close. You move me forward. And for that, I'm grateful. So Lord, I pray as we read today that you would be the one that talks to us. You'd be the one we hear. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd guide us, that you'd talk to us, and that you would, it'd be your wisdom that we we hear and that we gain. I pray there'd be nothing from me because there's really nothing there. And I just pray that you would be the one that drives this time. You would guide us and empower us to do your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So chapter 15, it's all about the resurrection. And apparently there was a lot of discussion going on amongst the, uh, the Corinthians and different thoughts. And within the Jewish society, there was those who believed in the resurrection of the dead and those who didn't. So let's go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your, father, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people who must be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he destroyed all the dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized for the dead? I'm sorry, it says, Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. I like that about bad company corrupts good character. At times I forget that. I hang out with people. They're nice, but they don't know God. They have different philosophies. They have different morals. And at times, they impact me and influence me. It's the same way with TV. It's the same thing with books I read. If I don't control what comes in, what surrounds me, then I eventually start taking some of that on. And then I fall. Verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he is determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. 
But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the, earth, of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. You will not fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. I'm sorry. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. I'm sorry. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's a lot there, but the bottom line, don't give in. Don't give up. Our labor is not in vain. We will be given a new body in heaven. I like the analogy of the seeds becoming a plant. You don't plant a plant. Well, you do, but you plant a seed and it becomes a plant totally different than what it was. Same as our heavenly and our eternal selves. A.W. Tozer wrote about verse, uh, verses three and four, where it says, for what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. A.W. Tozer writes, When Christ rose from the dead, he did, not, he did what no one had ever done before. We cannot imagine how he accomplished the miracle. We are not even sure exactly what wonderful thing happened there in the silence of Joseph's new tomb. That he came forth alive forevermore has been the firmly settled faith of the church from the beginning. How he accomplished it is a secret locked in the mind of God. We should remember that the wise admo- we should remember the wise admonish ad- admonition of John Wesley. Let us not doubt a fact because we don't know how it is accomplished. 
The resurrection of Christ is a fact. More than that, we need not know. Our own future resurrection is even harder to visualize. To paint a mental picture of our death is not so difficult because it has been our experience that everyone goes out that way. The mind can visualize our departure from this earth because it has something to guide it in forming its mental picture. But the resurrection affords it no familiar stuff with which to work. And here's where anxiety and self-reproach enter. Because we cannot visualize it, we are afraid that we do not believe it. The hope of the resurrection is a matter of pure faith. It rests upon the character of God and draws its comfort from the knowledge that God cannot lie, nor deceive, nor change. He has promised that all who sleep in Jesus shall be brought again from their graves to meet the Lord in the air and be with him forever. The New Testament is filled with this joyful expectation. How God will bring it all to pass is not for us to know. We are not called to understand, but to believe. Though a detailed knowledge of the mysterious ways of God in accomplishing the resurrection were possible for us, I wonder if we would be any better off for it. We honor God more by believing him to do the impossible. And after all, Nothing is impossible with God. So let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you. I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for this, the well thought out discussion around resurrection and that we can take comfort in that you never change, that you don't lie. Your promises aren't broken so that we can rest assured that just as a seed becomes a plant, when we die, we will go, go into your arms and go to heaven and have immortal immortality and live with you. That it will be a totally different world and one in which we are divinely and perfectly made for. So, Father, I'm grateful for all that you've done. I'm grateful for your forgiveness and your grace because you know I don't deserve it. But I'm thankful that you want a fellowship with me that you died for me and that I can live again with you. I thank you for this in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at just a guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.